Can't stay in the same place. Life is not a rerun. You are locked on fantasy basketball. Your daily podcast on fantasy basketball. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at basketballmonster.com and you can find me on Twitter as always at RedRock underscore B-Ball. Yesterday we had the shooting guard tiers. The day before we had the point guard tiers. So of course today we're going to be moving up one position and looking at the small forward tiers to talk about the small forwards. I have brought in Basketball Monster's own Matt Smith. Matt, welcome. Josh. Thank you. Jump the gun there, Josh. How are you going? Uh, it's good. Good to have you back on. Uh, you, it's going to be a whole week of Matt Smith here this week. Clearly, we've done the uh, the two positions, small forwards today, power forwards tomorrow, and centers the day after. So get all your positional tiers stuff out of the way so you guys are ready for the drafts. Matt, we are ready to go. Let's get to it. To it. All right, let's start with the, the small four tiers. If you want to hear what our explanation is on, on the tiers and how it works for drafting, go and check out the start of the Point Guard Tiers podcast that will explain it all there. We're going to get stuck straight into it here. So let's look at the the start, the, the top, the pinnacle, the very peak of the mountain with the small forwards, uh, with Tier 1, Matt. We will, and that it will be Kevin Durant and Kawhi Leonard now. Like I mentioned with Steph Curry in the point guard tiers, a lot of people are wary of, of Durant and Curry, mainly in head-to-head leagues due to their playoff rest. And, and the Warriors don't actually have a great playoff schedule with that two-game week, followed by a five-game week, which includes two back-to-back sets. So yeah, it's a you fake, think it's a fake be, five-game week. Yeah, so you'd think there'd be um, at least a game of rest there, if not more. So that is a concern for owners. We've um, done a couple of mocks, and Kevin Durant fell to, I think it was pick seven in the head-to-head um, mock draft, which, which seems low. Um, he's going to put up top five value, but yeah, if he falls into that second half of the first round, he's going to be going to provide some great value, great build, building block for any format. Um, and Kawhi projects really, really highly top five projection at the moment. Um, you won't have to go that high on him at the moment. He's falling into the late first round, but I think as we get closer to the season starting, keep hearing positive news out of Toronto. Owners will become more and more comfortable spending a top ten pick on him. So yeah. I look at, uh, at at Durant, and I'm obviously people who have listened to this podcast. Now, I'm not as worried about Warriors resting as other people. If people have this idea that everything's predetermined. Oh, the Warriors are going to smash everyone. They're going to rest everybody. Well, last year they weren't the number one seed in uh, in the Western Conference. Uh, they finished with third actually overall record in the NBA. And yeah, they got Demarcus Cousins, but he's not going to be Demarcus Cousins. We don't know when he's going to play. We don't know what injuries are going to occur at what time. These guys are all a year older. They showed marginal signs signs of slipping in the regular. season season that they they do go half-assed a a little bit and maybe that means they lose more games than what we might expect and last year you can look at their games but they didn't rest games they were injured Kevin Durant had a a fractured rib Um, Steph Curry had ankle injuries and then knee injuries these weren't them just sitting Draymond Green had a shoulder injury which bothered him all season and yeah maybe they take an extra game to get back from some of these injuries that's a possibility but literally anybody can get injured at any time so I'm not looking at this and going, well, I'm just never taking Durant or never taking Steph because they're definitely going to rest because so many weird things can happen and it might feel a fait complete that the Warriors are going to win the title and probably they do. But they almost lost last year. They almost got knocked out by the Rockets 
in those conference finals and the Rockets to get worse, but who knows what is going to happen at any point. So yeah, while I do look for safety in this, you could say that Towns is safety because he's played every game so far in his career. That's not going to hold. I can guarantee you. He won't play every single game every season of his career. There will be an injury at some point. I 100% guarantee that. And it could happen to anyone. Giannis could get injured. Anybody could go down at any point making yeah, this prediction of our guys being 100% safer. A weird one. Now, as for Kawhi, this is why I love picking in a 12-team league. You know, the top two picks is where I look at. And then after yeah. that, I want to pick 11 or 12 because Kawhi could potentially slip. You might have LeBron slip. You're going to have Paul George. You're going to have Damian Lillard. You're going to have Victor Oladipo. You could throw Jim Butler in that mix there. In some situations, maybe you do have Curry fall. Maybe you do have Durant fall. There's going to be weird options. Nikola Jokic might fall. And you have got a selection of two of these really top-class guys in that area. I've done quite a few mocks putting myself in that 11 spot, and I've got Kawhi in, in quite a few of them. You can throw Joel Embiid into that mix as well, and that's why I like that end of that spot. I think Kawhi does have a chance to push into top four this year. Maybe if everything goes well, I'm really positive with his health. He's an excellent player. He's 27 entering his prime. The degenerative nature of the injury is a marginal worry, but I'm, I'm absolutely fine with grabbing him with a late first-round pick, as, uh, as are you, Matt, and we've got them both uh, mixed together there in Tier 1. Let's go to tier two, um, where you've got Paul George and Jimmy Butler, two guys who I've just mentioned who are around the fringes of that first round type of zone, early second round. Um, if you had to pick one of those two guys, who, who would you take? I'm taking Paul George. Um, I think he's in for a huge, huge season. Um, him and Russell Westbrook are just going to be off the charts. Elite in points, threes and steals, offers enough rebounds and assists as well. Um, compare him with a guard or a big, so opens up your options there. Jimmy Butler offers more assists and a better field goal percentage than George. Um, less threes, um, but that lack of durability um, is really a cause for concern for me when investing a top 15 pick. So, yeah, if I had to pick one, definitely Paul George. It's going to depend a little bit on what site you're playing because Paul George's rank on, on ESPN is like 29th, but uh, Jimmy Butler on Yahoo is 28th behind yep. Chris Middleton, which is nonsense to me. Middleton we've got in the third tier here, which we'll talk about later, but Jimmy Butler at 28, like you can maybe wait if you're, or if you've got a, a top pick, a first round pick, one, two, three, you might be able to get Jimmy Butler at the back end of the second round and he's... The difference between him and Paul George on a per-game basis, different stats, and we always preach about looking at what numbers you need rather than overall ranks, but getting Butler at the end of the the second round could be a real value you play there on Yahoo. And I wouldn't be looking at Jimmy in in that first round mix. Paul George is a back-end, 12, 13, 14, 15 type of guy, maybe 11, along with those other names I mentioned, and Butler... Still in that same zone, but you might be able to get some pretty interesting value on him, especially if you're drafting in a Yahoo format where he is, uh, for some reason, ranked uh, 28th and an ADP of 26, which just doesn't make a huge amount of sense uh, to me in that area, given given what he's been able to do in his career. And it's not like the Timberwolves made any significant changes to their roster that's going to impact that for this coming season. Tier 3, I've already referenced it, Matty. You've got Chrissy Middleton there on his own. Um, it's a pretty significant gap from him, from Butler and George to Middleton, and then from Middleton down to the other guys. Yeah, there is. So he sits in in the tier on his own. Um, If you miss out on like a Bradley Beal, Donovan Mitchell, Devin Booker type, then Middleton's a really, really good alternative. Um, He's literally like three points per game and one three-pointer away from sort of being in the conversation with those guys. There's no need to overthink this pick. If he falls to you sort of in that end of round three zone, then then go for it. Um, and maybe if you're playing with some just casual fans, you might even fall a little, little bit early. He doesn't sort of have that name recognition and that sexy pick um, attached next to him. So, yeah, really, really like 
You just broke up on the uh, the end of that comment there, Matt. But uh, I, I, yeah, everything else you were saying where well, came through pretty clearly, and we we know where Middleton sits. So he even had a, a, a bit of a, a down year in terms of his three point shooting last season, which I can see yeah bumping back up. New coach in Mike Budenholzer is twenty seven years of age. He's not losing uh, his role at any time soon in Milwaukee. They didn't bring in anyone who's going to take that playing time, and yeah, some of his minutes probably do drop this season from the the large amount he was playing under pseudo coaches Jason Kidd and Joe Prunty. So that could come down a bit, but he is still strongly above this next group of guys, which are the players that we have listed here as uh, as tier four, tier four options for the small forwards. And uh, you've got Tobias Harris and Otto Porter Jr. in that mix. Harris was absolutely excellent coming across to the Clippers in that Blake Griffin trade last season. But things are a little bit different for Toby this season because he was playing the big chunk of that time. Uh, without without Patrick Beverly there, Milos Teodosic was out. They're going to try and uh, get more out of Danilo Gallinari than they got there. So I don't think he necessarily reaches the post-All-Star break heights that he did last year, but I think he's still going to be a, a pretty strong option and you know, right around that end of the third, start of the fourth type of round for Tobias Harris. Yeah, he, he improved in nearly every category last season when he moved over from the Pistons to the Clippers. Um, the fantasy players seem to be on him already and, yeah. and looking to, to draft him in that sort of 30, 30 to 40 zone. Um, I'm not quite sh- so sure I want to take him that high and I'll give you an alternative player in the next tier. Um, like Tobias Harris, his rank's going to be strong with that across the board production. But for me in head to head legs, he just doesn't have that game changing ability in any category. Um, so yeah, solid pick. Um, across the board, but yeah, probably one guy that I'm not really targeting in in, in that sort of range. He's probably a better uh, roto guy than uh, than head to head guy, just with his you know, as you said, solid contributions right across right across the board in what he's able to do. Um, the other guy we've got here in tier four is Otto Porter, who again is probably better suited to being a rotisserie player. Uh, yeah, we know he doesn't get many turnovers. That did increase pretty significantly last season, so he's you know far. And I've, I've always beat, beat this drum because you look at nine cat ranks, he always come out as a top twenty, top twenty five, and that was never the way you should have approached Otto Porter. We saw those numbers yeah change a little bit last season. He went from 0.6 turnovers to one, and one turnover a game is still good, but it's not 0.6 good. It's not inflating his numbers as much as it was. He was handling the ball a little bit more in Johnny Wall's absence, so maybe that does come down somewhat. But he, he's a solid option. They don't use him enough, and I fear with Dwight Howard around, he might see his usage go down even further, which is not going to be ideal for him taking a step forward. But in this range, we feel pretty safe about what Otto Porter is going to do, and his production is going to be relatively solid. Yeah, if you if you had to take one, would you take Tobias Harris and his points advantage? Yeah, I would. I, I'd take those points. Points get harder to get as you go down further in the draft. Yeah, I, I would much rather grab those extra four or five points per game from Tobias. Uh, and I think he's also got a, a bit a better chance of a, of a breakout of really you know, stepping his game up. Whereas I see Porter just settling in as that third man or fourth man and not really changing much with ball and uh, Beal and Wall there. Yep, completely agree. The the fifth tier uh, we're looking at here, Matt, is is an interesting one. Um, Why don't you go through the two guys you've got sitting in tier five at the moment? Yeah, so I've got Gordon Haywood from the Clippers, uh, from the Clippers, from the Celtics, and uh, Torian Prince from the Hawks. Um, I personally have a lot of questions around Gordon Haywood this season. How will he return from his broken leg? How will the Celtics use him? Will they ease him back into um, basketball? Will he sit in back-to-back games? Is he the second option on offense behind Kyrie Irving or the third behind Irving and Tatum? Um, so I'm a little bit down on, on Gordon Hayward this season. 
Uh, personally, I won't be drafting him inside the top 50, um, and therefore I don't think he'll fall far enough to me um, on draft day. But um, I think he probably will go just inside that top 50 range, and that's fair enough. And I was having a discussion with someone on Twitter the other day around Gordon Haywood and whether he can average 20 points per game. I personally can't see it. Um, you've got him projected just under. Uh, but what's your general feeling on, on Gordon Haywood? Yeah, and you can, if me and Kyle talked about this last week when we looked at our projections on that podcast and go check that out if you haven't checked it out. But you, know, you can look at how the guys are projected and go, oh, yeah, Gordon Haywood's ranked at yeah, 45th. And it's never about the ranking because the guys get pretty close there. But if you have a look at the confidence level I put on Haywood, it's really low because I just don't know what they're going to do with him at this point. Will they play him 30 a night? Will they play him 34 a night? Where will the usage come? I think Haywood's a very, very good player. And he could be a top 35 player, but he could also fall outside the top 60 if they really ease up on uh, on his playing time with Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown there to take some minutes off him if they really insist on playing Marcus Morris, which they shouldn't, but they could. So there are yeah, there is concern there. So his ADP is 48. Yeah, I, I don't know if I'd take him there. If there's other guys around in that zone, I feel more confident with him. You know, if Haywood does work out to how I how I you know got to try and balance this stuff. If he works out to that same level, then yeah, it is worth it. But there's a significant chance that, that he doesn't get to that level. So you know, we do a confidence ranking on a scale of, of one to five. I've got him at a two at the moment. So yeah, I'm talking about you know, less than 50% confidence in him you know, being able to uh, get that playing time or in his health and being able to achieve those numbers, even though that's the way I've got it projected at the moment. So that's... um. He is an interesting one there, whereas for Torian Prince, maybe he's, or not maybe, he is projected, projected marginally lower than Haywood, but I have more confidence in him doing that. Yeah. I know he's going to be the starting small forward. I know his minutes are going to push up. I also know that he's probably not going to do what he did uh, post-All-Star break where he was putting up you know, insane type numbers, but I feel confident about Prince, and he's a guy that, that does slide quite a bit. He's got an ADP of 66, which somehow is actually lower than the rank on Yahoo of 58, so I got him in a mock I think we did the other day in the in the 60s. Someone, I was pretty bloody happy with that. Yeah, and he averaged 19 points and 3.23s per game um, after the All-Star break this season. And and just in general, this sort of 35 to 50 range, I, I don't really like it. I don't like Harris. Not big on Porter. Um, I've mentioned my concerns around Gordon Haywood, Chris Dunn, Nikola Vucevic. Um, so just for me, I'd prefer to, to look at someone like a Josh Richardson, Jamal Murray, maybe go early on a John Collins or DeAndre Ayton in that range. So um, I'm probably trying to get a small forward earlier or later. I just don't like this sort of third, fourth, fifth round type section. I think these mid-round guys are really strong for roto leagues. For head-to-head leagues, I agree with you. I'd rather go later on one and earlier on one. In roto, I'm okay with getting these guys like a, you know, like a Prince, like a Harris. I'm okay with getting them there because I feel confident about their all-round production rather than big spikes in areas. Otto Porter as well. I'm okay with that, but getting those big men is really key. Um, so get, getting someone like a Jared Allen or, or a John Collins or or anyone in these ranges, Gary Harris, if you're looking at shooting guards, there are some other options there. So waiting until you can go later on some small forwards, like maybe it's a Karis Levert, maybe it is Trevor Ariza, maybe it is uh, Mario Hazonia or, or, or Farton Will Barton down the end there. There are some other options that you can go for uh, when we're talking about um, when we're talking about small forward options. Let's uh, go on to the next one, Tier 6. This is quite a full tier. Matty, do you want to uh, rattle off the names? Yeah, sure. So we have Robert Covington um, from Philadelphia, Kyle Anderson now in Memphis, Nicholas Batum in Charlotte, Jason Tatum in Boston, Joe Ingles in Utah, and the man you just mentioned, Will Barton in Denver. Um, 
Covington, once again, be a, a steals and three specialist. So if you do miss out on a, a Torian Prince, Robert Covington might be another option. Uh, Kyle Anderson should be in for a, a pretty nice season with the Grizzlies. His steal rate in particular gives him a massive boost in value. Yep. Um, some people will be scared off by the low scoring volume. So just um, weigh that up and, and what you need. Nick, Nick Batum, really like what Nick... Nick Batum could do this season, have a bounce-back season. He'll return to his natural small forward position. Hopefully his last season's injuries are behind him. Um, and I've drafted him sort of in the 70s and 80s. I think there's a very small chance he could go back to providing top 50 value. Uh, Jason Tatum, this is why I don't like drafting Tobias Harris inside the top 40 because Jason Tatum offers very similar production um, across the board. Good for your rotisserie leagues, but you can find him with 20 or 30 spots lower. Um, so there's another option for you. Joe Ingles should be as good as he was last season. Some nice out-of-position assist there from the small forward position. And Will Barton, um, if he starts, he'll lose a bit of value um, playing him next to to Jamal Murray, Gary Harris, Paul Millsap, Nikola Jokic, etc. Um, but, yeah, a whole range of options there um, just outside the 50 range if you're after a small forward. There's big differences in the ADPs of this guy. Say Covington, for example, is ranked 46 on Yahoo. Batum and Anderson are both outside the top 100. So that's, it's a huge... I've got no idea why Nick Batum is ranked 105th. That's ridiculous to me. So he should be a really, really strong target of yours. Same with Kyle Anderson. I know he's going to score a little bit, but he gets steals, he'll get assists, he'll rebound, he blocks shots at a pretty good rate. He, he's not a great shooter, but the field goal percentage is okay. I'm big on Kyle Anderson waiting there. I think Tatum's getting overdrafted. He's got a rank of 45 at the moment. That's cons- that's looking at him as a pretty significant step up from what he did last season. And that's funny. You've got to try and work Haywood back in. You've got to try and work Kyrie back in for that second half of the season. And Tatum put up good numbers. We know that in the playoffs and down that uh, stretch of the season. But that was without Haywood and Kyrie. And they're both going to come back and have an impact on what he's going to be able to do. This early portion of the season, he shot yeah, 50% from three, something which is not going to be able to continue long term. So, you know, what what is what are we looking at? Or what are the, these guys who are drafting him at 43? And he went in the third round of a mock I did the other day, which I, I can't... You know what? Maybe he just becomes that transcendently good that all of a sudden the Celtics become his, his team and everyone just peels off and he does everything. That's great, but the likelihood of it is real low. And then if he, even if he does, like that, where's he top out at, at pick 40? Maybe. Mm. Like, so where's, there's no value in getting him there. So if he falls to the 60s, fine. But it just feels like people are just getting in and in and in because for some reason he is just everyone's darling in terms of production. But it didn't really translate to fantasy last year. And I don't see it taking this dramatic leap forward this year, when you factor in all those other things, Ingles is, is fine in that area. Uh, and Barton, I do believe Barton's going to take a pretty significant drop down uh, when we when you do pair him with Murray and Harris and Millsap and Jokic rather than him being the guy that runs things in the second unit. And then if you, even if he does play in the second unit, he'll be sharing usage and touches and assists with Isaiah Thomas, things which he didn't have to deal with last season. His usage rate playing with those starters last season. Not the games he started, but when he actually shared the court with those guys, was significantly lower, about 6 or 7 percentage points lower than when he was on the court by himself. And he's just going to get so many fewer, so fewer options or opportunities to be that guy on the court by himself running things this season. So that's why I'm considerably down on uh, on the gassiest one. Tier 7. Tier 7 now. We're sort of getting into that um, stage. We're nearing the 
the 100 range in drafts. So we've got Mario Hazonia from the Knicks and Jabari Parker from the Bulls. Um, Hazonia averaged 1.5 steals and 1.43s post the All-Star break last season in 27 minutes a game. I think he should be playing at least that, uh, especially while Chris Zapp's poor Zingas is out injured. Um, and once again, if you miss out on a Torian Prince or a Robert Covington, then bang, here's your steals and threes um, wing player. So, yeah, consider Mario Hazonia. Um, Jabari Parker, another player who's better suited for rotisserie leagues than head-to-head, will likely be a top 100 player. Um, looking forward to seeing how he how he fits in with the Bulls. Josh, your favourite team, um, and yeah, once again, if you if you're missing out on a on a Tobias Harris or a, or a Jason Tatum, then you can get similar sort of across the board production with Jabari Parker. Yeah, look, me and Kyle are way off in our projections we, with uh, Jabari. We talked about that last week. He's got him projected as a top fifty guy, and he's getting him in pretty much every mock I do with him. I'm not quite as high on Jabari, but I can see the upside there. As for Hazonia, he's a guy that's going to maybe put up top seventy value until January. And then it could really drop off. And both of these guys have got ADPs and ranks outside the top 100. The, the highest there is Parker at 108, so you don't have to go that high on them. I think Hazonia is an excellent pick. Get that early value in, and then if you drop him later on, oh, well, you drop him. And even then, maybe he's actually significantly better than what uh, the Fort Kevin Knox is, and he is establishing that role and playing those minutes and getting you know, all the backup three and backup four minutes if they do decide to start Knox there. So his value could hold. There's a chance it goes down, but I think he's going to be strong, really, really really strong to begin the season. Tier 8, Maddie, some interesting, there's some really interesting names here in this group of players, I think. There are, and what are those, you got birds in the background there, mate. I don't know what's going on, there's a whole <laughs> bunch of birds, I can't see them, but they're all uh, they're all chirping their asses off, I don't know what, what is going on, I'm sitting out in my, uh, in my uh, studio, which isn't really a studio, it's this back room, but I don't know where they are, I don't know if they're on the roof, it's a, it's a whole uh, Avery out here. An Avery Bradley. <laughs> Um, tier eight, Trevor Reza. Um, one, once again, if you need steals and threes, bang, Trevor Reza, another yep. option. Um, solid wing player, should see a healthy allocation of playing time at both forward spots in in Phoenix. Um, Karis Levert, we've got here as well. Probably won't see a huge up, uptick in playing time from last season, um, but I really do like Levert as a player. Um, the Nets believe in him as well. So I think there'll be a point in the season where Levert does have a stretch of, say, top 80 type value. When that will be is the big question. Um, and at that point in time, you will need him on your roster. Um, and probably one of the biggest sleepers going into this season at the moment is, is C.D. Osman um, from the Cavaliers. Currently, he should be the starting small forward, although um, the Cavs still haven't signed Rodney Hood. Um, and just as a, as a small sample size, in nine games where Osman has played above 20 minutes um, in a game, he averages 11.8 points, 4.8 rebounds, two assists, 0.9 steals, and 1.83. So um, another points, steals, threes, wing option. So, yeah, they're everywhere. Yeah, I think Osman's really, really interesting in the late rounds. They, the Cavs, trust me, the Cavs really like him. They want to put him into a significant role. Someone's going to have to start getting assists on this team because LeBron's no longer around. Osman can handle the ball. He can get assists, and I think that will rise. Don't worry too much about the poor free throw shooting from last season. He is a much better free throw shooter than that. That will self-correct this season. 
The Hood one's an interesting one. I don't know if he gets signed. I think that there's a real chance that Hood comes in and actually starts next to Osman if the Cavs are, are really serious. J.R. Smith has really struggled the last couple of years and, and uh, LeBron's not there to uh, to force him into uh, a larger role. And I would love to see the Cavs go out there with Georgie Hill running things at point guard and then put Hood and Osman and Love and Nance. I think that's a fun yeah, developmental lineup. Hill eventually will cede his spot to, to the young bull, Colin Sexton. Even though I'm not a massive fan of Sexton, that will happen. But I think you need Hill out there with love to run things with those other young guys. And that's that's a fun lineup. And um, I'm not 100% sure on it. My confidence in Osman isn't totally you know, totally rock solid or anything like that. But he is in a great spot. I love Levert. I think Levert's a better player than Alan Crabb. I know the Nets value him highly as a prospect. I think he's going to get a significant role. It is pretty crowded in that backcourt, so there's an, an issue there. And as for Ariza, as you said, Matt, threes and steals, he's not going to suddenly put up a 25 usage rate in Phoenix. He's not going to be you know, become all of a sudden efficient. If he couldn't be efficient from the field in Houston, that's not going to happen in Phoenix either. He's not going to start distributing the ball. He's going to do what he does. He's going to get steals and threes. And you're going to have to deal with those other issues that, that he does bring around in terms of low field goal percentage and lack of numbers in those other areas. But these are all guys that we're looking at as outside players outside the top 100 in terms of their draft spot. And I'm pretty confident they're all going to be able to beat their ADP, or at least these three guys are for this, uh, for this coming season. Tier 9. Um, there's a fair gap between tier eight and, and the rest of these tiers, tier nine, ten, and, and eleven. So we probably don't need to spend a real lot of time. Probably these guys either take a late round flyer, or you should be able to find them on on waiver wise in standard leagues. Um, but we've got Mo Harkless from the Trailblazers, Alan. Crump, as you your, your boy Mo Harkless is the uh, correct I, title. Yes, yes, I do. A still block of three boot game or close to that is a, is a handy option to throw in utility position at the match up just to try to get over the line. Alan Crabb's threes. Um, he, Wayne Allen's going to be three point distributions. Um, Brandon Ingram was solid last season without being spectacular. He. The, uh, the technology is not being all that kind to us here, Matt. You were dropping out there. So let's uh, let's get your take on Brandon Ingram uh, again uh, before I offer some comments on these tier nine guys. Must be those birds on your roof, Joshua, yeah. eating internet cable and, you know, causing causing issues. You might need to buy a scarecrow or a, or a big crow or something up there. No, I'm going to get an eagle. Just go real the hardcore. Eagle. Yep, sounds good. Anyway, Brandon Ingram, um, pretty solid last season without being spectacular. Uh, improved in all categories, but importantly, his field goal percentage took a massive increase of nearly 7%. Um, not expecting another big increase this season with LeBron James there, but it will take some offensive pressure and focus off of him, which um, could be beneficial. So, yeah, you might like to take a late-round flyer on Brandon Ingram and see what happens there in L.A. I think he's absolutely worth a late-round flyer. I don't think he's going to be putting up those numbers he put up in the second half of last year because he was doing that without Lonzo Ball and, of course, without LeBron James, where he was handling the ball, and the shooting was red-hot, and I do imagine that's going to come down somewhat. He is pretty solid. At this point, though, he needs to get more steals, he needs to block more shots, and he needs to be a stronger rebounder to really be considered a top or upper echelon fantasy guy, and at this point, he hasn't been able to provide that. I think the minutes will be fine, but the actual usage, the ball in his hands, the assist numbers won't be quite the same as they were last year, which leaves him a little bit lower. And like, unlike those guys we had earlier in Tier 8, I think someone like Ingram is probably going to be overdrafted a little bit, an ADP of 103, and that's fine. But 
I think you're probably looking at 40% chance he beats that 60 he doesn't. And there are other guys around that area who I feel more confident that they are going to be able to go ahead there. As for Harkless, it was a real shit season from him last year, but he is that real strong triple one threat. I think he sees a big, big leap in his playing time. He did it over the second half of last season anyway. And I think he is a guy that, for some reason, he doesn't even have an ADP on Yahoo. Ranked outside the top 230. That is a great, great last pick. One of my favorite late picks in drafts, and the blue swimmer, Alan Crabb, really put up some big numbers to end last season. Hits a lot of threes. We always say, wait until the end of your drafts and you can find threes later. Well, this is where you get him. This is a guy that you can get. He showed an increase in his defensive abilities as well. In terms of generating numbers, I'm not 100% in on that being a consistent thing, and I think there is a chance that Levert can take some of that playing time away from him, but he could he could easily have a season where he hits three threes per game on this Nets team that we know is going to be banging them in left, right, and center. Tier 10, Matt, we've got four guys listed in this uh, in this group. You've mentioned uh, one of them already, but uh, who else who else we got here? Um, I've only got three, so oh, I've got... Yes. You do because uh, you had I because I did this graphic before uh, before a trade went down. So uh, I had t- I've got TJ Warren here in this graphic, and you oh, have yeah. taken him out, which uh, makes sense after the uh, trade. Yeah, so we've got Wes Matthews, uh, Rodney Hood, um, and Bojan Bogdanovic from the Pacers. Um, wouldn't be going out of my way to draft any of these three. Matthews and, and Hood will have um, the occasional good. Um, scoring game, provide a few threes, but yeah, just uh, far too inconsistent. Bogdanovich had a really good stretch of uh, nearly or almost top 50 value last season, thanks to his incredible efficiency. Um, the arrival of Tariq Evans this year will eat into, eat into some of his playing time, um, and the lack of defensive stats will again work against him. So yeah, not a real lot to see in that tier. The thing we look at with Boyan, and you're right, he had that real big stretch, but I think you know, from from memory, it was a time when Darren Collison was out with a knee injury, so Boyan actually had the ball in his hands more, and he was getting to the line a, a lot more during that stretch. And when you're shooting 90% from the free throw line, if you go from one attempt per game up to three and a half attempts per game, it boosts your value 30, 40, 50, 50 spots, which is exactly what was happening at that point. And then Collison came back, and the free throw attempts dried up. If we look over the last 40 games of the season, he took 3.1 free throw attempts per game. But the last uh, the last uh, 15 games of the season, only 1.9. So he was going at four, four and a half for that uh, you know, 20 game stretch. Uh, in the January-February zone when Collison was out for some time, or February-March, whenever it was. And then he came back, and the free-throw attempts dipped, and his ranking went to back to about the 180th uh, type of area. But he's going to hit threes. Another guy, hey, he'll hit threes. He'll do it efficiently. This is what, where you get your three-pointers in drafts with a guy like him, or you, you stream them in, and you get Rocket, or you get Wes Matthews. You get these other guys who can help you in that area, which is exactly what uh, yeah, Wes Matthews and Rod Hood can provide. I think Matthews' assist numbers are going to fall this season with Luka Doncic providing that secondary ball handling role, which Matthews took up last season, and he won't be uh, doing that this season, I don't believe. Tier 11, Matt, it's the back end of your small forward tiers. You've got uh, uh, Kelly Oubre in there, McCall Bridges, and each one more. Um, all right, let's, uh, let's go. Oubre, what do you think? Ubre once again, some real end um, or low-end steals and threes. Just not enough usage going through him to predict any type of fourth-year breakout. Um, you're going to want to be in sort of 14 to 16 team leagues and, and deeper to, to start looking at Ubre. Um, Mikel Bridges, maybe a second half of the year guy. Um, we know the Suns targeted him and, and used that Miami unprotected pick to get uh, Bridges from the 76ers. Um, they targeted him as that 3 and D 
type wing in the mould of Trevor Reza and then went and signed Trevor Reza himself in free agency, so worked that out. Um, but he was pretty impressive in summer league and at times better than Josh Jackson. So no, I no, think not, not at times, like the the, enti- <laughs> the entire time. I was, I, was, I was trying to be kind, Josh. Um, uh, you know I'm a little bit sensitive when it comes to Phoenix. You are. Uh, That's why I give you shit about it. <laughs> Uh, I don't know what I was going to say there, but yeah, should push push um, Josh Jackson for, for playing time and wouldn't surprise me if he starts a game or two over him at some point during the season as well. So put him on your watch list. And each one more underrated fantasy season last year, highlighted by his 50% shooting from the field. So his high efficiency scoring and three-point shooting um, will keep him on some fantasy rosters. Still has that starting small forward role this season. So um, yeah, should have some time and space to keep knocking down those shots from deep. Back to Bridges, do you do you think that he's a better player than Josh Jackson? I did tweet that out um, when I was watching some of the summer league games and said that Bridges might already be yeah, better than I, Josh I, Jackson. I did too. Um, so I, I don't want to completely give up on, on Josh Jackson and want to see another a training camp and see how Igor uses him. Um, but yeah, there, there definitely were aspects and, and part of his game where you're like, wow, he's just a lot, a lot more controlled. Um, and more of a natural stroke from three. Um, really good. Yeah. The, I think the, bird, the birds are attacking our internet again, Matt. You are you're, you're cutting out on me here, but that's uh, that's fine because we we are at the end of the uh, of the small forward tears podcast. So uh, unfortunately, you're all. Uh, I think you might actually maybe you're back now on a low quality as this internet continues to be that of uh, one of the shittest countries in the world. So shout out to you, Australian internet. Finish it off, Josh. Oh, no, you're back. You're back now. Just the, the, it bumped you down to dialogue quality in terms of your yeah, voice quality, but you're back. So, um, yeah, that, well, that wraps it up. Anyway, for the small forward tiers, we're going to be back tomorrow to talk power forward tiers. But I like your, your idea or approach of this matter. So you can get a lot of these guys late. You have Mo Harkless, Crab, Ingram, you know, Osman, uh, Levert, Ariza, Hazonia, Parker. Really late options you can get without having to stretch yourself in other areas, you know, hoping for these big, big numbers, you know, hoping Gordon Haywood comes back, hoping Jason Tatum takes a big step forward where you can you know, save that and, and grab some other guys in those types of areas. It's never just about projected ranks, as I've you know, stressed a hundred million times a year on this podcast. That is not the way to do a successful draft, so do not do it. Really take into account where you're getting stats, what stats they are, which players they are, the confidence you have in them, and where you can get other guys later in the draft. Because otherwise, you might as well just set your list to auto-draft, leave the draft go, and then end up losing the league. Because that is, I guarantee you, what will happen, Matt. Um, where can people find you on Twitter? You can find me on Twitter at S-Man Sports And uh, Josh, go and send some of your um, your feline friends up on top of the roof there. Yeah, I'm going to try and get this sorted out, get rid of these... Uh, these birds from chirping and uh, screwing up my internet. Oh, there you go. The internet, I think, is back to a, a normal quality. Matt, you are back in HD just in time to wrap it up. Guys, subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, TuneIn, Stitcher, and on Spotify and on YouTube. Thumbs it up. Give me a comment. Leave, uh, leave five-star ratings. You guys know all the drills. Matt, thank you. Thanks, Josh. Guys, we are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya. Wilson Chandler.